This is recording number 11045 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, April 14, 2013. This is the second message in a series titled, Finding God at the End of the Road. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, With the Gauge on MT. Last week we started this series of three messages called Finding God at the End of the Road. And today we're going to be talking about finding God at the end of the road with the gauge on empty. Well, we're going to read in Psalms about David, the, the great king of Israel, who also found himself there. And not just so we can commiserate, but so that we can hear what he has to say about how to move out of that place, how to have the Lord uh, help us to get out of that spot where we are pressed in at the, what feels like the end of the road. And uh, today we're going to talk about um, that sense, because there's a, you know, a lot of reasons we end up there. And a lot of things that go into feeling like you're squeezed in at the end of the road. And one of those um, types of feelings, one of those sets of scenarios is you're there because your gauge is on empty. You know, when I was, uh, when we were, had kids at home, uh, so it was, you know, 15 years or so ago, at least, um, we had a, a car, a, a Mercury Tracer wagon. They don't even make them anymore. It was a Ford product. And, and, and this that I'm going to tell you right now is not because, you know, I'm not bashing Ford, okay? If you're a Ford fan, more power to you. And that's not about that. But this particular car had an idiosyncrasy in that the, the gas gauge, the fuel gauge, didn't work. And so it was always on full until it wasn't. Okay? And so you'd be driving along and, you know, for days and it's on full and you're thinking, wow, this is a miracle. And then all of a sudden, and you're dead, you know. And so you had to always keep track of the mileage or you were in serious trouble. Um, and I, I picture the fuel gauge on the dashboard of my soul being sort of broken in that manner. I always think my soul is full. My spirit and uh, soul tank, if you, would, uh, if, you, if you could imagine it that way, is full until it's not. And uh, we want to talk about that today. About, a, about 10 years ago or so, I had a, a Southwest Airlines ticket, a freebie, that was sort of burning a hole in my pocket because I could go anywhere in the United States that Southwest uh, flew uh, for free. Um, but I knew that I could never get away with it with, from, you know, with my wife if I went somewhere fun and couldn't take her. So... Uh, my choices were limited, and one, <laughs> and not that I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to take her with me, that's, that's not the point. Anyway, I got, I always get myself in these holes that I can't get out of, but I love you, dear. Um, so anyway, I was planning several months in advance, my schedule and everything, and 
uh, I decided, well, you know what I'll do? We have this cabin in our this cabin in our family that you've heard us talk about before. It really is extremely rugged, but even in those days, it was even it was far worse. You'd go there and there'd be big gaping holes in the walls, and you know if you were to sit down on anything, you had to scrape off the the mouse poop, and it was it was really gross. It was really a mess. So it's not something you would. Oh, gee, I get to go to to the cabin, but it would it was free. Uh, I could get there for free, and my wife wouldn't mind. So <laughs> I decided, all right, that's what I'll do. I'll go there and spend a couple of days, personal retreat, and I put it on my calendar. And then I forgot about it because, you know, it wasn't something I was looking forward to, like going to Hawaii, you know. I'm counting the minutes, you know, until I get to go there. This wasn't like that. The day came, and I go, oh, wow, I got, I got to go. So I packed up. I had somebody drive me to the airport. Uh, hung around till they started seating people. I got on the plane in Southwest. You know, there's no assigned seating. I found a row where there was nobody else yet, and I sat down in the, in the window seat. And so there's going to be two more people sitting in that little row in a minute. In a minute, I sat down, picked up the book that I had brought with me to read, and uh, without any warning whatsoever, I just started to sob. Tears came to my eyes, my throat tightened, and I mean, it was, it was uh, Niagara Falls. It was, my shirt was getting drenched, my I, snot, the whole thing. I mean, you know, it was really a big time breakdown, I guess. I, I, and my first thought was, oh no, somebody's going to be sitting next to me in a minute. What are they going to think of me? Because I had no explanation, no concept at all of what was happening to me. I was afraid. And then I, I heard, I, don't, I hope this will make sense, but I, I heard what I know to be the voice of God saying to me, you are almost too late. It was, he was taking me back to that fuel gauge. I thought my tank was on empty. It wasn't. And I almost missed it. There I was in that seat. God was flying me away on the wings of a, of a 737 or whatever it is that Southwest flies. Uh, to help deal with the emptiness in my spiritual tank, the tank of my soul. And I was almost too late. And that's kind of how it goes for me. My wife always knows way before I do that my, my tank is empty. I sure would like to get better at that because what we hear David say here, I know all too well. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer from the end of the earth. That's about as close as you can get to the end of the road, right? From the end of the earth, I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed. Yet, uh, I, I've heard in the last week, I mean, this is not atypical. I've heard in the last week from several people, they've used that word to tell me, I feel overwhelmed. I feel they use that word, overwhelmed. Well, what does that mean? Well, it's kind of like a balloon, you know, it's... As long as the pressure, I, the, the other day there was a balloon, I came in here, not a term, there was a balloon under the seat right over here that somebody had left. We hosted a, anyway, we hosted an event and somebody left a, a balloon there. So I went over and got it because I was kind of cleaning up and uh, I, I popped it, you know, and I threw it in the garbage. The reason I could pop it is because I applied external pressure that was greater than the internal pressure and that phew, deflated that balloon and I could throw it away. When the external pressures of our life become greater than the pressurizing work of the Holy Spirit internally, you can find yourself deflating. 
And that's what Paul, or what David is saying here. God, I'm crying to you from the end of the road because my heart is... Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. You will prolong the king's life. He's speaking of himself. He's the king. You, you, will, you, you will prolong the king's life. His years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth. Remember that. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. You know, um, one of the reasons I signed up for this preacher thing is that it's a socially acceptable way to talk to yourself. <laughs> and so I'm talking to myself today as much as anyone. And one of the things I like to do is restate the obvious because it's, it's sometimes uh, I just move on past obvious things that I, I are really the key to things. And so this maybe seem obvious to you, but I want to talk to you about what is the problem when we're at the end of the road and, and uh, with the gauge on empty. What's the problem? Well, first of all, our spiritual and emotional reserves are depleted. I just described the balloon effect. Another thing, when we feel like we're in that state, another thing that is the source of the problem is that we have no headroom or margin. My, one of my daughters is an author and she sent me a, a draft of a, a book uh, to, you know, this was years ago, to, to edit. And by the way, if you're a, an, uh, an author, a writer, and you want me to edit stuff, don't. I, I really, I, I don't like that job. But, you know, she's my daughter, what am I going to do, say no? So she sends it to me. I open it up and she, it was a Word document and it was hundreds of pages long. And um, it was the, the, it was not, here's how it was formatted. It was formatted from edge to edge, from top to bottom. And, and no, you know, no, there were paragraphs, but they, there was no spacing, no paragraph spacing. I opened it up and I was like, oh, oh, I can't, I can't even look at that. I had a, I, it was, it, it would, it bothered me. It was, I was afraid of that thing. Because it, it reminded me of my life. And when your life is edge to edge, top to bottom, and there is no margin, it's scary, folks. And that's what is part of what's per pre precipitating, I'll get it right, precipitating that sense of being overwhelmed. His life has gotten to be margin to margin. There isn't any edge there. There's no, if somebody comes along and says, says, hey, I need for you to remember this, there's no margin to write that in. It overwhelms what's there. <clears throat> so what are the symptoms of being overwhelmed or having your spiritual uh, soul tank on empty? What are the symptoms? Well, first of all, depression. And, um, and I'm not, don't get me wrong, I, 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 I thank God for medical science that allows us to help treat people with depression. But to just... Medicate yourself out of depression is not always the best solution. 
If you're on medication for depression, don't stop taking it. I'm not telling you that, but I'm just saying sometimes depression is merely a symptom that God needs to help get to the root of. And, uh, you know, enough said about that. I think most of us in our day and age are aware of the symptoms of depression, the things that, you know, uh, go into that diagnosis. So I won't take time with that. But that, this is one of the symptoms of being overwhelmed, uh, being at the end of the road with your emotional, spiritual tank on empty. Another one is seeking escape. Um, you know, we, we, and I don't mean uh, like, I mean, I suppose this is a part of it, you know, um, self-medicating like through overeating or uh, drugs or alcohol or, or any of those other kind of escape things. But it's, uh, one that gets overlooked a lot is this feeling of, I got to get away. In fact, Southwest Airlines used that as an ad campaign. Want to get away, right? So we, we are familiar with that feeling. Oh, if I could just get a day away all by myself. If I could just sleep in today. Or it's that feeling of I got I to gotta get away. I've got to escape. When that is a recurring theme, something's wrong. Your gauge is on empty. Pay attention. Another one of these symptoms is feeling abandoned by God. When my emotional spiritual tank is on empty, one of the very first things that happens to me is I feel like, where did you go? Heaven is brass. Sometimes it's heaven, which means it's like, you know, I can't get my prayers beyond that brass ceiling. You know, heaven is closed off to me. Where did God go? And it's also f so funny to me how when God is bringing me out of that place of being overwhelmed, one of the first things that returns is, oh, you're there. You know, that sense of God's presence is kind of the first thing to go and the first thing to be reminded of. But if you're sitting there today and you feel like God has somehow forsaken or abandoned you, don't know where he is, that's a symptom of what I'm talking about today. How does this happen? How do we get there? Well, <laughs> by underestimating the importance of keeping your tank full. We, we, we live in a culture that um, is so driven that there's, there's not much, you don't get much support for the idea that you should keep your spiritual emotional tank full. In fact, it's just the opposite. You whining wimp. Come on. Suck it up. Get going again. When I worked in Silicon Valley, it was just all the time, you know, I was... It was 24-7 people at their desks sleeping under their, you know, uh, under their... Uh, the, the, desktop of their cubicle and that kind of thing and I, I remember getting these stares every time I'd get up to go home it was like you know they didn't say it but it was like you're going home what kind of wimp are you you know <laughs> there's a lot of support in our culture for overextending ourselves and underestimating the importance of keeping your tank full there's also a problem that we have of overestimating the size of our tank And then finally, disregarding the fact that we have an enemy. You ever heard the, the term spiritual warfare? How many, how many of you ever heard that? Spiritual warfare. A lot of times when we hear that in church, we think of, you know, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with demons. And, you know, uh, and there is, you know, there is some of that. But a lot of that, you know, hocus-pocus and you know, cast you out us and, you know, all that kind of thing. But really, to me, the most devastating, deadly forms of of spiritual invasion that 
we need to come against with spiritual warfare has to do with stuff like we're talking about right now that often gets missed where the enemy is so eroding the quality of your life and your relationship with God that you don't even know it but he knows that he's made you ineffective and without consequence in terms of the advancement of the kingdom of God and he's very happy about that. We have an enemy. He wants for you to feel overwhelmed. He wants, you to, he wants to keep you there. So disregarding that fact will be a problem. Well, let's talk about the solution because that's what you're here for today. That's what I'm here for today. And David says this, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know, there are songs that have that as a lyric. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You've probably heard that part of this passage before. At least some of you have. I have. And I've, I've thought of it uh, like, you know, that God is this massive boulder and, and Lord put me, on, put me on that top of that solid place. And, and surely that's scriptural. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about God being that massive, safe, harbor and me finding a little uh, crease, a little crevice, a little cleft in that massive boulder where I can snuggle up in there and, and be dry and safe and covered. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle. How many of you used the word tabernacle in a sentence this week? kind of what I thought. Most of us, the only time we think about that is when we're driving down the road and we see some storefront church that's you know, the right reverend holy father's new life tabernacle. And I, I'm, not, I'm not making any fun of that. I, I suppose I am, but forgive me. I don't mean to. I, I'm just saying that's usually the only time we see that, that kind of thing. And we don't know what it means. It simply means God's dwelling place, a tent, you know, his, his pavilion. I, I will abide in your tent. I will abide in your pavilion forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. What is the solution? It's really simple. Abide under the canopy of God's presence. Tuck yourself up into that, that crevice of the rock that is higher than you where there's safety, where there's rest, where, there's, where it's warm, where you're covered And then receive his prescription of mercy and truth. Remember I told you to remember that verse 7. Oh prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. Mercy could be translated kindness. And that would be absolutely fine. But another way to understand mercy is that God is holding back from me what I deserve. What I've brought on myself. God steps in and holds that at bay. And when you find yourself at the end of the road like David with their, your emotional spiritual tank on empty, take advantage of the mercy of God. That's what David says. I cry out to you. I'm coming to that shelter of your covering. I'm, I'm tucking myself up into that shelter, your pavilion, the shelter of your wings. And then watch how God mercifully holds all that you've set in motion. That's that wave of stuff that's been 
cr crashing over you or threatening to crash over you. Watch how God holds that at, at bay and brings recovery to you. That was what was happening when I got on that plane, sat down, and God said to me, you are almost too late. Let me, let me hold it bay. Let me hold that back. Let me hold that back. Let me sweep you away to a place of recovery and rest. God is merciful. And um, he wants to. He wants to prescribe. You picture the great physician. Let me write you a prescription. Mercy. How's that? The other side of that prescription is truth. Truth. The other thing that God wants to and needs to do in those times when we're when we're in that place of his recovering us, we've decided to hang out in his pavilion and just make that our eternal home, that place of covering of his presence. One of the things he needs to do is tell us the truth about people that we're hanging around with, things that we're doing, stuff that has uh, be become our obsessions that's killing us, that's eroding us, that's, it's, it, they're like external pressures that are overwhelming the meager internal pressures of our spirit and they will. He needs to tell us the truth about that and we need to respond. So thinking that mercy alone is going to do it? No. You'll need mercy and he wants to write you a prescription for mercy but you're also going to need truth and he loves you too much not to give you the truth. Some of you right now, right now, He's speaking truth to you about the things that have you have been allowing to deplete your soul. Respond to him. Respond to him. Finally, um, he says in verse 8, so I will sing praise to your name forever. And you could easily pass this one by. You could easily skip this, but it's so important. Adopt a lifestyle of worship. You may not be a singer. You may not play an instrument. Uh, you're not alone in that. And worship is not about that. Thank God for music. Thank God we're going to sing to the Lord tonight when we have our worship time. I love that. But that's, you know, that's only a part of what worship is like. Worship is me simply opening my heart to an encounter with God where I say the things I need to say to Him. Where I let my... My, my voice, my mind, my thoughts talk to him about what's in my heart and where I listen for him to respond, where I'm with him. And that's what this is all about. That's what brings recovery to our souls is the presence of God. And so worship, when my heart is all shriveled up back in there, hidden somewhere behind everything else that's overwhelmed me, worship allows my heart to come to the front where God can help me, where God can deal with me, gets my heart out in the front. It also sensitizes me to the presence of God. You know, God, isn't, God has promised to never leave you or forsake you, but we all know what it's like to have lost track of the sense of his presence. When I worship God, there's something that happens because the Bible says he's enthroned on my praises. There's something happens in that moment where I, oh, 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 you're here. You're really here. And I need that. 
It feeds my soul. It pressurizes my soul. It restores your perspective. Worship restores your perspective because when you are overwhelmed, it here's your viewpoint. Everything is over you. It's all on top of you. That's, all, that's your viewpoint. Worship takes you above to God's vantage point and things look a lot different from there. And worship repels your enemy. There's nothing that will send him fleeing faster than worship. Worship. 